All right. It's exciting. We've got uh, episode 438. It's coming at you right into your ears. <laughs> right into your ear holes. It's coming at you so hot and so fast. This is the first, uh, or actually I should say, this is the week before our road trip week. We go to the ATC Comedy Festival next week. Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we, next week's episode will be live yep. at the uh, pop-up studio at the All Things Comedy uh, yes. Festival in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gonna yeah, be- well, it's going to be up to Aaron, really, if that episode... Uh, Gets recorded live. Yeah, he might just dump it. You know, he might just uh, not hit the record button. It's really his choice. It's his studio. (laughs) We don't know what he's going to do. We might just be talking into tin cans and string at that point. It depends. It's like he's he's driving the entire studio there on Wednesday. (laughs) It makes it seem like we do the studio, we do the show in like a U-Haul trailer. (laughs) And he just hooks hooks it up to his SUV. We're driving to Phoenix. All right. Festival time. (laughs) Hey, the listeners can't prove it's not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> are you a carny, Aaron? Yeah. Have you Are that who you are? You're basically yeah. a carny? The pop-up studio is a Ferris wheel. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. And when comedians vomit, they just hose it down like the tilt-a-whirl or whatever. Yeah. They don't care. Yep. You know, you get to throw ping-pong balls into yeah. uh, little fish bowls. But you better to... cap. It's a grift. Yeah. It's all a grift. <laughs> They'll pay like a little kid money to walk around with a big yeah. stuffed animal so people think... Yeah, that they want it. Yeah. But then the the rings never go over the bottle. Ever. Legs. They never go over the bottle. So, so Aaron's a carny grifter, I think yeah. is what we've established here in episode 438. And we're telling people all his secrets, all his evil carny secrets. <laughs> if they've lasted this long, it's a success. <laughs> You're right. If they broke, don't yeah. fix it, buddy. Mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> Those bean bags will never knock no. down those cans. You're halfway to to four seven to eight seventy six, <laughs> so you might you thought I forgot yeah. you sons of bitches. Nice. Um, so we got a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about some uh, movies. We're going to talk about First Man, a couple other ones, some very interesting uh, trailers, um, and we've got some stuff we want to talk about the website and the store and. Uh, so now we're getting into the Halloween movies, oh. specifically Halloween. We'll be, the, we'll be talking the movie about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll We're be talking about that. Into that. So um, let's chat a little bit about some movies, Graham. I saw First Man. Well, so my question. Yes, before I get into it, please, let's set the tone. Spoiler set, alert. Yes. Does he land on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, was interesting. It had a surprise twist in this movie. Basically, the movie was about the um, fake moon landing and how they set up a set. <laughs> to uh, to show that we never actually landed on the moon. I wasn't expecting that, so I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> it was an interesting choice. That um, would be great if this was just a fucking massive moon landing conspiracy yeah. MacGuffin yep. is what this was. Buzz Aldrin was running the camera, and uh, Neil Armstrong was props. So it was really, they were just grips, oh. you know, and on the on the film. So oh, that's cool. It was, it was, yeah, it was really interesting uh, movie. Uh, good twist. Capricorn 2. Yeah. Capricorn yeah. 2. That's what I was trying in my head. I was like, what's that movie with O.J. Simpson? That's right. Capricorn 1 was the first one. So I, I got to tell you, this movie, like, you know, I, I watched the trailer, and then as this movie's unfolding before, I'm like, all right, is it going to be like the trailer? Is it going to be like the trailer did it no favors? Is it not going to be as overly dramatic and um, uh, and way far too serious than the movie, than the trailer is portraying it? And I got to say, as I was watching this movie, the trailer um, 
portrayed the film exactly the way it is. So okay. there, there was no, uh, you know, there was nothing lost in the translation. Uh, this movie was far too overly dramatic. Uh, what was interesting is like this movie was one of those movies that um, you can't really say it did anything wrong. Like everything I'm watching and every problem I have with it was a creative choice that the filmmakers decided to make. Right. So um, the problem is it just didn't work. <laughs> like uh, mm. it really felt like it's like, well, we want to make the right stuff, but through the lens of 2001. <laughs> I'm like, really? Is that is that what you want to do? Both are you those sure? Are great on their own. Yes. Yeah. They don't yeah. Need to. Are you sure you want to mash those two up? Are you sure <laughs> that's where you want to go? Like all the, you know, there was like you know, it's see, Apocalypse yeah, Now yeah. meets The Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. It really like, oh, that sounds great. Those are great movies. How could they not be great together? <laughs> <laughs> well, Marlon you know, Brando plays both characters. Yeah, it's bulletproof. <laughs> I so, see an Allen boy sent by grocery clerks to collect the bill. Yeah. <laughs> so this m- movie was really, was a, um, basically, because uh, Damien Chazelle has a lot of um, studio cred on him right now. Right. Like, he can kind of do and and uh, make a film the way he just kind of wanted to. He didn't write the script on this film, but he made the movie the way he wanted to. I could see the way, you know, these directing choices were, oh, he's, he's going 2001. Like, it was minimal dialogue in scenes, some ethereal um, scenes that went on way too long just to kind of give you that that sense of, like, unrealism, like, in space, like, all those things. The only thing that was missing was the uh, classical music over the uh, the the capsule moving around um, in space. And a, but, and a monkey throwing a Yeah, and a monkey throwing Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, other than that, it was almost like, oh, did they just pull that scene from 2001? Well, <laughs> let me ask you this. Since this was his first movie director that was not um, music-based, right? Mm-hmm. do you think that was part of it. He stepped way too far outside of his genre or comfort zone or I think it was part of it, but I think he's capable of, you know, directing a drama, even a historical drama. I think there were wrong choices that were made for this film. And I think that was the problem. Like, uh, and it goes everywhere from the script to the directing to even the acting, like, uh, the choices for Ryan Gosling to play Neil Armstrong as completely emotionally detached like, okay, well, that's all right to see kind of where he starts, and then maybe there's an arc to this character. But to watch him emotionally detach for two and a half hours and never change, it was that kind of like, I, I think I get it. I get Yeah, I get it. Right. Yeah, it's right. uh, we, we need to see something else now. Um, because it starts off, this is not a spoiler, is that, you know, his, his daughter passed away from a, a brain tumor, from cancer. Uh, so that's one of the things that made him more closed off. But... You know, it never really gets addressed, and it never he never gets past it. Like, I'm like, oh, well, this is his personality now for the entire film. Now, that's it. Well, it was also a really interesting choice to make Buzz Aldrin a dick. Like, he was, like, he was a real asshole in the movie. And, but also, they didn't do anything with that either. He's only in a couple of scenes. He comes in, says a couple dicky things, and then he's on the mission at the end, and then that's it. Then that's all. I'm like, well, wait, you're not... You're not doing anything with this character or the relationship between him and Neil Armstrong. Like, you know, was it strained? Was was there some kind of camaraderie there? Like, everything was um, just glossed over or deliberately emotionally detached to the point where I'm like, well, now I don't care. I I care about the real people, but I don't necessarily care about this movie now. Right. Um, so I think, it, and it's not resonating with audiences at all. I mean, it's really right. not doing well. 
Um, and I can see, like, uh, the other thing that did, it had a real air of pretension to it. Like, I'm an Oscar movie. Like, look, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shove it in your face. This is a, uh, a dramatic movie. And, you know, this Remember scene. Remember when Gravity is, won all those yeah, awards? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> We're like them. I definitely compared it a little bit to Gravity, thinking what Gravity did right and what this movie did wrong. And Gravity did a lot of other things really right, where this one... Just when I really felt like two was almost like an overcorrection. Well, we can't be like gravity. All right, we'll be more like 2001. Again, not maybe the right choice here. So it was the kind of movie that uh, a bunch of artists got together, made some weird choices, and the movie just was a swing and a miss. Was it? It wasn't based on any sort of book, was it? I believe it was actually. Um, Aaron, can you pull up the book? That it was based on? Yeah, based on the uh, book by James R. Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's interesting. So, But I'll tell you, the movie was so flat, it makes me not even want to read the book. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, <laughs> well, you go back to The Right Stuff. Now, The Right Stuff was, a, was an amazing book, and I yeah. thought they did such justice to that book. And it was a completely different tone, the story, too. I mean, what's interesting is like, well, I think these stories overlap a bit, but you're telling them in completely different ways. One worked, one didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and Right Stuff really did an amazing job of capturing the era. Yes. And the significance of the Cold War with regard to the space race. Right. And, you know, the promises that Kennedy made mm-hmm. um, that everyone was trying to uphold even after right. his death. And it also did that thing. And this is the question I had when we did the, the live episode with Ry- Gareth Reynolds and, and Eric Griffin of, man, it's hard to tell a story we all know. Yes. And have already been told many times. No, many times. Mm-hmm. What The Right Stuff did was it focused on the the test pilots right it focused on w- the early days of the space program mm-hmm. we know we landed on the moon how did we get there mm-hmm. you know and and it was like you know the whole thing like it introduced america to who chuck yeager was right mm-hmm. who knew who chuck yeager was yeah mm-hmm. so and what the significance of the test pilots right and how they were this like Pilots are already like a rare breed and a little nuts, and test mm-hmm. pilots are even crazier than yeah. them. And, and the one thing that this movie did show was that not only are the test pilots, like it didn't really show like, oh, they're out of their minds, like in the in the way that the uh, um, right stuff kind of did, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the crazy fun. Oh, you want to party with the test pilots? Yeah. That kind of, this just showed that... Uh, um, they're constantly in danger of losing their lives. That was that was the character right. uh, trait that they added to everybody. And obviously the wives are going to be nervous and, you know, it's like being married to a policeman. Right. You know, are they going to come home after every single flight? You don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it didn't really do much with that, except uh, th- this movie also made, this is where it also made a really weird choice of... Uh, um, it showed the dangers of being a test pilot and also this era where, you know, a lot of people died. You know, a yeah, lot of people a died. A lot of people died. Uh, like, more than I thought. That's one thing that showed me, like, I didn't realize that many test pilots and astronauts died yeah. in these in these test flights. Um, it hints on, like, uh, how important it is to beat the Russians in the space race. Uh-huh. But it doesn't give you context for it. Like, when you look at that through contemporary glasses, like, well, who cares? Why, why was this so important back in the, uh, in the 60s right. and 70s? Why was the space race so important that we beat the Russians 
and uh, was it part of the Cold War? Like, you don't get any of that context. It's just they present it as like a, just a stupid reason for, um, you know, for yeah. the space race. But, you know, it was important then. It was a huge deal back then. And it was it was all about uh, global supremacy and the, being the superpower in the entire world. Whoever gets to space first is the global superpower. Like all those um, geopolitical agendas yeah. and... Uh, if the Russians uh, things, get to space first, they can drop bombs on us from space. Exactly, and all that stuff. And none of that was uh, was put into the movie. I mean, I'm not saying it needed a lot of it, but it, you definitely need some context for the time yeah, yeah. of like, you know, you, you can't just say, well, this is important. I'm like, well, no, you're, you're, a movie, you're a movie set in the 60s. And what if I'm a, Tell what me if, why it's important. What if I'm younger, even though I've maybe studied it in school, but I'm right. 20 or something like that, I would want to go... That was the thing that the right stuff did. I saw the mm-hmm. right stuff when I was young. I was in high school or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't alive during the mm-hmm. 50s and 60s. Right. So it really informed me, like you're saying, mm-hmm. that this movie did not do. Right. You and I know it. Yeah, People of yeah. our age or older know it. Mm-hmm. But if you're a lot younger, you don't know it. And even from just a storytelling perspective, it's like one of those things where, no, you kind of need this to give everything context. Like, it reminded me of, like, imagine watching Hidden Figures and um, having the race issues just mentioned. And never, <laughs> they never, they yeah. don't put that yeah, in yeah. no context. Like, well, why is this such a big deal? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, um, there's somebody riding a bus somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, uh, so, so it was that kind of thing. Like, this is kind of an important plot point. It's the reason everyone's risking their lives to yeah. actually do this. Maybe, uh, you know, put in a little uh, reasons for doing it. Right. <laughs> Um, other than it's important that we beat the Russians. That's like, well, that's, you know, that's a comic book answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a comic book answer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a swing and a miss, but like, you know, cinematography was interesting. Like sure. all the, you know, all the, all it hit all the Oscar beats, but ultimately it was not a good movie. Ryan Gosling so, in- engaging yeah. to watch. Yeah. Considering his character sort of. Yeah, that's what was interesting too. It's like, he's always engaging to watch, but if he's, sat on like this and it's like all right you know so emotionally detached it's interesting to start but then if you for two and a half hours if you're going to watch him emotionless for that entire time there's there's nowhere to go and there's nothing new to watch right so all right all right um so so what did you see what did i see um great question i saw a lot of different things i'm gonna say uh not a horror movie (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume not a horror movie, possibly a doc. Uh, <laughs> you're correct. Yeah. Um, I watched a Netflix. It's actually a doc series mm-hmm. um, called Killer Women. That it sounds like a horror movie. It, it could be. <laughs> it, it's, it has some horror elements to yeah. it. Um, and it's by it's um, by um, what's his name Pierce. Yeah. Oh, Jeez. Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan is the MC. <laughs> no, that that uh, former news guy. Um, Pierce, Morgan. Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan. Yes. Um, oh, he's he, awful. Yeah, he is awful. Mm-hmm. But as far as this series, he, you actually went. Oh, I see why he became a successful journalist. Like yeah. he was doing good documentary journalism right just in this series not mm. saying all of his crazy bullshit that he was saying that i don't know you know some people are better behind the camera <laughs> <laughs> it's a doc series where he's mm-hmm. interviewing women that are mm-hmm. on in prison for murder mm-hmm. and what got them there okay and 
you know, he he goes and he's interviewing women in prison and you know, the first episode is the woman who when she was 16 uh killed her mom and her two little brothers. Oh my god. That's how the movie opens. Yeah. It opens with the 911 calls. Mm-hmm. And that happened in 2008, so now she's like whatever in her late 20s in jail in prison in Texas and she's in jail for four decades or something like that. And he goes into the whole case and, you know, she got accomplices and, you know. So it was really premeditated. Oh, it was brutal. Mm -hmm. And he's really asking, you know, I had to kind of go, here's Morgan, this one. But just in in this show, he's doing good. He's asking pointed questions. Mm -hmm. He's not like, you know, what's the food like in prison? He's asking, like, <laughs> you really think, because she tried to claim that until this day won't fully admit it, but he's asking her questions and the way she answers, you're like, oh, she's just in denial. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a really, it's like really good in, in investigative documentary journalism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I don't know how many episodes it is. To, I don't know. There's two seasons. Um, the se- and so I, I it's, it's pretty fascinating. And it goes into the specifics, like they put statistics up there, like women that murder are three times more likely to murder somebody they love. Interesting. You know, um, they interview women that have murdered their children that have murdered lovers and like did, did you get the impression as you're watching this documentary like um they did it like a reality show where like all right these four women are guilty but this one may not be like that kind of thing or it really felt like no all these women are guilty and uh pierce morgan's just trying to find out the why it's that it's mm-hmm. where they're trying to find out the why they weren't mm-hmm. they didn't do a lot of like i mean if the case warranted some like well let's show both sides of it mm-hmm. like the in the in the one the one i'll focus on the first episode um which is the woman that that killed her family basically when she was 16 she was mm-hmm. dating this guy and her parents said you got to break up with him and then she started con- talking them in she maintained oh he was a, an abusive controlling boyfriend mm-hmm. because she still maintains that that's why they went into the this like Here's what's going on, but they the way they did it was very much like we'll show you all sides of it, but you know she's, she's pretty guilty, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and they interview like we'll show you all sides, but this isn't going to change your mind. It's not going to change your mind. You're gonna it's it's more focusing on why she did this and then why she's claiming. You know, well, I did. It was justified. It was, or, or my boyfriend made. You know, he, because mm-hmm. the boyfriend actually is the one who pulled the trigger, right? Right. And she went was back at his house, and she said, "Oh, he drugged me and all this other stuff." And it's mm-hmm. like, no, they didn't. They have all this. Right. Heart, they have all this concrete <laughs> evidence that didn't right. happen. You guys mm-hmm. had sex after he murdered your family, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, um, and you know, so Pierce Morgan is asking, like. So while they're in your house killing your family, you were in the car, you could have stopped this, why didn't you? Mm-hmm. And she kind of gives the answers of somebody that's in denial. Sure. Um, but they do really, they do really, you know, he interviews the district attorney 
in this town in Texas who's this mm. woman who was like, you know, she is a cold-blooded killer. This is right. one of the more horrible things we've ever seen. Right. And... You know, because those guys see a lot, oh. but then but for them to go, but this one is the one that really turned my stomach. I know, yeah. when they say that, yeah. it's like, Because they see horrible shit every That's single their job. day. Yeah, yeah. Is prosecute <laughs> people that do horrible shit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and the dad is still sort of loves and kind of forgives his daughter and he believes his daughter still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's this great set, set, um, statement by the female prosecutor, who, you know, because Pierce Morgan asked, what do you, th I mean, do you think this dad's nuts? Do you think mm -hmm. he's just being a loving father? And this prosecutor, again, the one who said this is the most horrifying case she's ever right. seen, goes, if, he, because this is so awful what happened, if he needs that denial to keep himself from going nuts, then he has every right to hold on to that. Right. And I was like, that's an interesting, uh, wow yeah, response. And especially he's probably, probably a hundred percent right, right too, because this mm. is also a prosecutor. She's, you know, you, she, she, she looks like a prosecutor talks like right. <laughs> pretty fucking straightforward. Like, yeah. Nope. I don't care what your Mickey mouse excuse is. Right. And for her to say that, cause she obviously went through the horrors, you know, this guy had to sit in court and listen to all right. this mm -hmm. and know that his daughter killed his wife and his children. It's just like, so, but, I, but it's, it's, if you can put your bias for Pierce Morgan aside, mm -hmm. which I think you can, once you start watching the series, right. And it's the thing we've talked it's about. It's like watching early Johnny Depp movies. There's <laughs> <laughs> Morgan doesn't have a bird on his head. Yeah, He's not yeah, trying to be yeah. funny. He doesn't have a wacky mustache. Yep. He's just being... Doesn't run his mouth run his uh, inappropriately. Yeah, <laughs> stupid mouth. He's just being a journalist, an investigative mm -hmm. reporter. Um, so, and it's the thing that that man Netflix does so well hmm. they do docs and doc series right like you know i talked about the the, the series about that crazy um cult in oh in uh, oregon mm -hmm. that's insane the the keepers the that one i would highly recommend that's about this uh, nun dying in baltimore and this this uh, catholic church cover-up right they well they have a lot of practice yeah that's <laughs> That's their <laughs> stock and trade. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like they, this isn't, <clears throat> to be clear, it's not like an anthology doc series like The Keepers where right. there's seven episodes and at the, you you get a an answer by the end of the seven episodes. Mm. Each episode is, we're going to talk about this woman in this hour. Right. And then this next episode is this other woman in her case. Right. So, but it's a very, it's a very, you know, it's a great doc series and it really tries to get at the like, you know, the what's the difference between women that murder and men that murder? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intriguing. And, oh, wow. and you know Netflix, I, they're they're docs like any of those other ones. The Staircase, The Evil Genius, like mm -hmm. all of them. I'm I've started to watch Evil Genius. Like they're all like wow. Mm -hmm. And they do they get really good documentary filmmakers who really 
do what appear I'm my I'm assuming that feels it feels to me like they do a shit ton of research and they like we're gonna kind of like what serial does on the audio side of just right. like we're gonna ask every question we're gonna talk to every person we're gonna try to come in this with as the least amount of bias possible mm-hmm. and you know, if it becomes clear that it is this person, let's ask why. Let's right. really try to figure out why and paint that picture. Um, so it's really, it's really, uh, I can't recommend, I can't recommend it enough. So cool. Check it out. All right. We'll check, uh, check that out on Netflix. So uh, we have some Patreon sponsors. Oh. We do. This is actually for the first time. This is the most we've ever had. The we, most we're Patronis. Up, yep, we're up to five. Yeah. So five uh, Patreon sponsors. You guys are awesome. Yeah. And uh, we finally got ad copy from Rebecca. God Evans. bless you, Rebecca. So, uh, so You're we'll be an reading angel. That. Um, so uh, we still got Johnny Rulon. Johnny. He's got his uh, novel, Green Cheek, uh, A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com. Happyhorrorshowproductions.com. And the Audacity Performing Arts Project. It produces after-school performing arts uh, projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Please visit them at audacityperformingarts.com. Audacityperformingarts.com. And a podcast from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Friday, and find out more at randomify.com, randomify.com. And Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle podcast, host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. They were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in April of this year with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. All you got to do is Google Alice Frazier Trilogy for more info. And Rebecca Evans is the Art Podcast. I actually did an episode of this, so I will be... Uh, I think you did one, too, I did right? one, too. It's a really mm-hmm. cool, it's a really cool yeah. podcast. I, we've also been on Tea with Alice, too. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> And uh, when we move past hesitation and we're true to ourselves, we'll find our own art in life. If you want to hear some fun stories and get inspired, check out the art. Go to facebook.com slash the art podcasts. There is an S at the end because podcast was already taken. So uh, <laughs> facebook.com slash the art podcasts. Um, all right, let's get to some trailers. And uh, I want to talk about this first one. This is Pet Cemetery. Man, did this movie get into production very quickly after uh, it did very well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and it really feels like there was only one studio note, make it like it. <laughs> all right, here it is. <laughs> Here's the make it like it Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Oops, I pressed something weird. I don't know what I just did. Damn it. You press trailer blow up? Yeah. Sometimes dead is better. Wow. Yeah, Johnny. It's beautiful, right? Okay, so what are the similarities? Kids? Here we go. Okay, so what do you think? Wow. This whole place is ours? I even got him to throw in a whole forest as a new backyard. It's not too much foreshadowing. No. Mm. 
a remote house, but a right by a road where trucks drive by at really quick speeds. They're, you can't hear them no. until the last. So yeah, yeah. So they they're hybrids. So they <laughs> the electric engine is on first, and yeah. then when they get near the house, the gas. The gas would kick on. Yeah, and they always hit their horn. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, do we have creepy kids in this movie? Just like it. Mm. Yeah. An animal mask? Some sort of purge child. Yes. <laughs> and John Lithgow? Belong to something else. In the Fred Gwynn role? Mm. Christ on his throne, no! The ground is bad. God! I do love Jason Clark, though. Maybe. He's great. There's some crazy folk tale. But there is something up in those woods. There's something that brings things back. Sometimes dead is better. It really feels like the It trailer just uh, substitute, you know, a couple of scenes here and there. Yeah, and like, yeah. swap out a clown yeah, for a cat. Yeah, yeah. that's... <laughs> and they literally have the uh, the Stranger Things font on the, the end. Right, the right, I know. The only thing that you don't see is uh, the kids in an arcade. That's the... Uh, that said it in the 80s. That's I don't the know, the original Pet Cemetery. Not a great movie. Not a great movie. It's mm. like a lot of Stephen King adaptations... But it does follow your logic of like, you know, if you take a mediocre movie and remake it, that's what you should be doing. Right. Yeah. So this could this could be, I mean, pet, the original Pet Cemetery has Fred Gwynn being kind of ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know. The girl from Star Trek Next Generation was in it. Yeah. And, you know, but the whole thing was just like really poorly put together as a horror movie. But look, the trailer has gotten... Seven over seven million views. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think this from thirteen-year-olds from thirteen-year-olds yeah, watching Stranger Things. But I think that's smart in a sense. It, it might is. be a good movie showing. Like, well, I think what's going to happen is it's going to be better than the first one, regardless. I think it's it's going to be uh, um, way better put together and have much creepier tones and just be a better put together horror movie. Um, but it's also, it's a marketing decision. Like if it did poorly, that movie never would have seen the light of day. <laughs> There's no way. Like, ah, oh, we're done with Stephen King adaptations, remakes. Yeah, we're done. No more Maximum Overdrive. We're done. We're not it's making that. Shut yeah. it all down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. But I think, I, I will say this, my 13-year-old is going to want to go see it. Yeah. Now, I saw the original one in the movie theater, and I remember watching it thinking, this is a terrible film. And also, but what was interesting was the crowd reaction to the mm. movie. Like, the crowd watching the original Pet Cemetery in the theater was terrified. Yeah. Like, really, like, you know, people, audible gasps and yells and screams. And I can guarantee you, if you guys go back and rent the original Pet Cemetery, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Why were they so scared of this dumb movie with horrible practical effects? <laughs> but I will tell you, at the time, it scared the shit out of people. It really did, even as a terrible movie. Um, but like it wasn't like The Shining where it was just really psychological and, right. and terrifying. You know, Pet Cemetery was just like 
jump scares, gore, and that was it. There was nothing to it. So many yeah. jump scares. Yeah, there was there was nothing else really to the film. So I think this one, like, uh, you know, the first one didn't have this little coven of kids and animal masks and stuff. Like, I can guarantee you this one's going to be creepier. For yeah, sure. the kids in the animal yeah. mask going yeah, out yeah. with that drum into the creepy yeah, pet yeah. cemetery. Yeah, I'm like, that's this is great. This, this is, is very yeah, creepy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, I yeah, I, I will be seeing it. We'll see how they uh, they pull it off and put it together. All right. And the next one is The Mule. This is the Clint Eastwood movie. This is the new Clint Eastwood movie. And this is like, I saw this trailer. He's uh, got to be in his 80s now, isn't yeah, he? He's love something delicious. Rich in protein. You Where saw this in the theater then? Yeah, I did. I saw this ahead of, um, I forget what. Oh, this is the movie clip trailer. We, we want the full one. I apologize. Everything is a lie. Um, Remember when you could just search and get a movie trailer? There weren't a thousand different versions. International version. Commentary. Teaser. Here we go. Trailer four. <laughs> Trailer four. I tell you, he looks great for an 80-some-year-old filmmaker. Even Akira Kurosawa was making movies in his 80s, but he wasn't in them. He wasn't yeah. starring in them. Oh. Uh, officer, hi. You need help? Uh, no, no, I'm fine, thank you. What do you got there? Uh, little pecans. I'm delivering pecans to my niece. And pecans? Syrup. Yeah, pecans. She makes the worst pecan pie you've ever tasted. I feel sorry for her husband, but and I feel sorry for the pecans, too. <laughs> yeah. is the most important thing. Don't do what I did. I put work in front of family. I thought it was more important to be somebody out there than the damn failure I was in my own home. I was a terrible father. I wonder if Clint Eastwood supervised the trailer that is to make the trailer. My chance. I absolutely think so. I there's no doubt in my mind this is exactly what the movie's going to look like. Yeah. This is the last one. So help me God. This is the last one. And you got to believe he gets that in his country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For what it's worth, I'm sorry for everything. All right, Clint. You want to go to the Oscars one more time? Yeah. And not as a presenter. No. It's just the only question is, are they going to let him? Yeah. <laughs> or is he going to talk to a chair and say crazy <laughs> shit? I think they might pre-record the Oscars just for his presentation. <laughs> yeah, they might. you might see the entire program shifted 30 minutes. <laughs> they got a 30-minute yeah, delay yeah. when they do Clint's thing? Yeah. Um, I- I'll tell you, it's funny. I had a weird reaction to this movie. Um, 
to the trailer, I was thinking first that it looks great, I want to see it, but that reaction went away and was replaced by, if this is bad, I'm going to be really disappointed. (laughs) I think, you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, I don't agree with his politics, but the guy is an amazing filmmaker. He's an amazing filmmaker. And I, if you're a filmmaker out there and you want to learn how to put tension in a scene, watch any one of his movies. I mean, even the movies like the the Matt Damon um, clairvoyant movie, which I thought for me personally kind of missed the mark. It's mm-hmm. still like, we t- he's one of those guys when he misses the mark, it's still interesting. It's still interesting, yeah. It's like Babe Ruth was amazing to watch Strike Out. Right. You know? <laughs> like, so so I, that's, it's, and, and the yeah. fact that he's playing an old drug mule, mm-hmm. man. And then look, Bradley Cooper, Michael Pena, Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, all right. It's a great cast. Come on. Yeah. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah. When Clint Eastwood calls you, who says no? Nobody mm-hmm. says no. And when he mm-hmm. says, I'm cutting my own trailer, nobody right. says no. Yeah, exactly. Thank God. <laughs> How dumb would the trailer have been mm-hmm. if the studio got a hold of it? Right. It would have been awful. It would have been like, uh, it would have looked like Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Or or every which way but loose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clyde and him are back yeah. at it again, slinging drugs down there. It's, and then it'll be like a mashup with Smoke yeah. and the Bandit. <laughs> It's been a long way to go, and Clint's back to get there. <laughs> so uh, I gotta, I gotta say, I mean, the fact that he's still making movies is amazing. I mean, he's the kind of guy that I feel like he's gonna pass away on set or in an editing room. Yeah, like yeah, it's he's gonna be at work when yeah. he goes, and he'll. That's how he's gonna want to go. He's gonna mm-hmm. go cut and keel over. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then it'll be um, forty, fifty years before his last movie is is finally released. Yeah. Like, uh, like it'll. Be <laughs> yeah. Like Orson Welles, like they'll find one that he was working right. on <laughs> that's unfinished, and yeah. they'll have to mm-hmm. reshoot scenes or right. something like that, which will be great. So our children will get to see it. <laughs> so <laughs> right before the water wars, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm the mule. I'm in. I'm yeah, in. It that's, looks great. It's the first sort of. Actual Oscar movie. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. about to say full-fledged yeah. Oscar film that's like, you got it. Right. I'll watch this. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Um, all right. And on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp. Fun now, movie. I, you know, again, it was a fun movie. I really enjoyed it. But it's like Marvel's release windows are so weird. Like, uh, you know, Black Panther was released on DVD while it was still in the theaters whereas this one feels like it took forever to come out like ant-man and the wasp i guess like, i they, don't know how they with some weird metric that they figure out when to release them i don't know i bet you they saw the phenomenon of black panther and went let's just let's just get this i don't know i don't right. know what I they're thinking know. or they're like they already slate like and and well they maybe this is more of a can't fit kids family movie so this is more of a christmas gift or something i don't know could be. There's some, like, yeah, somebody in the bowels of a marketing department <laughs> is figuring it out, <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> um, Unfriended, The Dark Web. This is, uh, you know, if you're going to go see this movie, you know who you are. This is uh, this is obviously a Halloween release and right. for most of the people that didn't see it in the theater. But it's also the kind of movie that, very low budget, doesn't need a lot to make its money back, right. and um, it doesn't need stars Mm-mm. it's just that kind of movie that like i dare you to name one person in it and uh, <laughs> um uh but it's financially sound you right. know it'll it'll make its money back and whitney is the uh whitney 
a Houston documentary oh, that's nice. out uh, that I heard. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's really good. Yeah, so I would imagine you, she had a pretty tumultuous, tumultuous life. Tumultuous life mm-hmm. is the word, you know, mm-hmm. like amazing singer and actress and all that stuff. And then all the other stuff with the drugs that, you know, shows you a lot drugs. of things going on. Drugs ruin lives, guys. Yep, they sure do. So um, don't do them. Don't do them. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to end up with a bunch of jack wagons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, among other things. Yeah. <laughs> so now I want to talk to you guys about the website. I've actually been putting a lot, a lot of hours into the website over the last uh, couple weeks. Um, one of the things about the store is we did upgrade the store and it's it's working. It's good. There, there are a couple problems, though, and bugs. And if you guys find anything, just email us at info at comedyfilmnerds.com. One of the things I want to tell you guys right now, the downloads aren't working. So all of the, quote, e-goods is what they're called. The downloads aren't working. We're working to fix that right now, but it's a combination of our programmer, the cart programmers, and our server hosting support. So it's like three different factions are fighting like Game of Thrones to try to get it to work. <laughs> so it's kind of a nightmare, but we're, we're working on it. We'll get it. We'll get it going as soon as we can. Um, but everything else, the physical items are working fine. You could buy shirts and gift packs and books and um, everything else is working great. And also, the uh, you guys are taking advantage of the free T-shirt with every T-shirt order because we're getting more T-shirt Ooh. orders. And somebody just uh, put an order, I think it was today. They bought like three shirts. And guess what? You're not getting three. You're getting six. Boom. Yeah, done. It's a six for three deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, if you buy two T-shirts in the store, you're getting four back. So uh, Whether you like it or not. Yeah, it does. We don't care what you do with them. We're giving them to you. You buy five, mm-hmm. you get five. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, check that five, out. you get ten. Yeah. <laughs> you get five plus five. Five. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I blew it. Yeah, but somebody bought, like, a, a Dana Gould, a Thrilling Adventure Hour, and a CFN New Logo shirt on the same order. Good so for you. What? God bless you and you your children. You buy three, you're getting six. May you live to be a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you and your shirt order. Your <laughs> shirt order. <laughs> uh, also, we have on sale for Halloween. We have. Uh, um, we worked a while back with a horror filmmaker, Christopher Allen Broadstone, that we met at Shriekfest. And we were carrying his merchandise. We only have a few things left, and we're, we're looking to move it. And as we're uh, kind of paring down the store and clearing out inventory, uh, there are only three left. There's a horror pack, the Christopher Allen Broadstone horror pack. It's uh, there's only three left. It's got his book Puzzle Man, his DVD Three Dead Girls, which is horrific, but it's uh, it's really good horror. And also he's also a musician, so you get a CD of his music, The Judas Engine. So it was forty bucks. Guess what? Nineteen ninety nine. And there's only three. So uh, check it out. Get it now before uh, Halloween. That's a great deal, man. Get that in mm-hmm. a shirt. You get a free shirt. Christopher Allen Broadstone. You know, we had him on the show several years ago. He mm-hmm. is an he's an amazing indie horror filmmaker. Yes. Mm-hmm. That does some creepy ass shit that I and discovered at Shriekfest. Yep. Like they found him mm-hmm. and uh, uh, promoted him. So uh, so check it out. And um, the other thing is the message boards. We found a board <gasps> moderator. Oh, now we are still getting them up and running. But uh, when they're up and running, you can meet Charlene. Hi, our Charlene, new, uh, our new board moderator. Thank you for mm-hmm. moderating us. Yep. So we're uh, we're getting all that set up. That'll be uh, set up in I'd say the next uh, week or so. You have then. superpowers, right? You will become a moderator. Pretty much, yeah, okay. yeah. That's in in lieu of payment. You get uh, X ray vision. <laughs> 
So, so it really is a bargain. I don't know why anybody don't look would at me when do I it. don't make me like yeah. naked, Charlene. But thanks for working on the thing. <laughs> so, and uh, premiering this week, uh, Halloween. <gasps> the uh, it's it's one of those movies too. I'm like, wait. Is it a remake? No. Is it a sequel? Is it uh This is like is the 48th Halloween movie that's yeah, been made. Yeah, yeah. So what they do when you have that many, you kind of decide and put the movie somewhere in the middle. I believe it's a sequel to the first one, and then you're supposed to ignore all of the other sequels in between. <laughs> like, <laughs> because really, it's Jamie Lee Curtis Mike versus Michael Myers. That's like, it's, Great. you know, it's like Freddy versus Jason. That's I love what it. want to see. When they just start a new so, timeline. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, you know, it's... uh um, you kind of like when you make these types of movies, like you decide, like, well, are we re- remaking the first one or are we making a sequel? Is it like, uh, and they decided, I believe, is uh, so it's you can, first one's canon, the rest are not. <laughs> or maybe it's two, three, I don't know. Doesn't uh, but matter. it doesn't matter. Exactly. You don't it care. doesn't matter. If you're no. going to this movie, no. you don't care. You want to watch Michael Myers and, and, uh, Jamie Lee right. Curtis fight. And you want Jamie Lee Curtis to be like, yeah. why is this happening again yes. 30 years later? And I, you know, I'd like to see them fight on a spaceship, but, uh, well, you know, I don't know. I think it'll be a neighborhood. Maybe <laughs> Halloween reboot five. Maybe something, something, yeah. Spaceship fight. And the next movie is the Can You Ever Forgive Me? This is the um, movie with... Um, uh, Melissa McCarthy, where she pretends to be the author. Oh, this looks who, so. Uh, I saw a trailer for this a while ago, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's based on a true story, mm-hmm. and it looks so intriguing. Yeah, and I love. I, this is the thing I love about Melissa McCarthy. She does that smart thing of a comedic actor, which is go to the wacky, big budget, crazy haircut, pay the bills, pay the bills, and then do Let this your husband shit. direct one. Yeah, yeah, whatever, <laughs> man. Great, good for you, and then do this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is what I'm I... far more interested in seeing Melissa McCarthy than her last couple movies. Like, do this. I love this stuff because, uh, you know, that, that one, the college one. I'm like, really? Is it... <laughs> I don't, but you know, I don't begrudge him. We've talked about this no. before. Comedians, mm-hmm. they sort of make you do your say only that. This is the thing that got right. you got big on. You're mm-hmm. only allowed to do that. Right. In a comedy movie. You're not allowed right. to do subtle comedy or yep. anything else. Can't spread, you know, stretch your legs, spread your wings, no. just try something new. No. It's no. either big, crazy comedy, but then... You're Will Ferrell. Be Will Ferrell. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all you're allowed to do. Talladega Nights, over and over. Over, <laughs> over and again. <laughs> Anchorman. Yeah. Anchorman yeah, and Talladega Nights. Mm-hmm. Those are your choices. Elf it up, motherfucker. Elf yeah, it up. Yeah. Elf it up, motherfucker. <laughs> you heard it. And the mid-90s. And this is a um, coming-of-age story set in the mid-90s. Now, written and directed by Jonah Hill. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he went, hey, if Zach Braff can do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, if an actor gets famous enough, they get to write and direct an indie coming-of-age story. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, it's uh, you get a stamp on your hand, <laughs> and then you're done. You get a stamp on your hand. <laughs> can I see your hand? Oh, okay, yeah, you directed yeah, a yeah. coming-of-age mm-hmm. movie. Perfect. Yeah. I'm sure the soundtrack will be great. Great. So. <laughs> All your hipster bands yeah, will be on it. Yeah, don't worry. I had the Garden State budget. soundtrack, by the of way. Of course, so do I. It's great. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm saying it's we're, a formula. We're not judging it. We're just saying <laughs> yeah. thank you. All right. Well, I think that's it. That is our show. Let's circle 438. Yeah. Let's put a check mark mm-hmm. on it and send it downtown. And let you, yes, and, and try to make it get a job. <laughs> get a goddamn job, episode 438. Yeah. So, um, 
So next week, we will not have a show on Tuesday. It will be Thursday. Mm. We'll be live at the um, ATC Comedy Festival well, we're in recording Phoenix, Arizona. Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Realistically, I'll probably post it Friday. <laughs> mm, understood. <laughs> From yeah. my hotel room in beautiful downtown Phoenix. <laughs> but uh, if you are in Phoenix... Well, I don't know. Isn't Aaron going to be posting it right after? I mean, isn't mm, he no gonna, response. No, Aaron so said, yeah, don't put that pressure on Aaron. Yeah, no. I uh, now accepting bribes. Yes, uh, but now let's be honest. Aaron will be moving all the equipment and recording all the shows and uh, basically running the tech for the entire festival in the podcast studio. How busy will he really be? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> He'll have what, time. What, what will yeah. you possibly yeah. be doing? Like, if anything, will <laughs> this be hanging out? Yeah. Getting green tamales, I think. And oh, also, we want you to put a bunch of CFS, CFN shirts in the uh, truck with you with all the equipment. <laughs> I like to travel with a lot of hats, Aaron. Yeah. Can you pack that into the truck? I just don't know which hat to bring. To... We'll be bringing all the crab feast hats. Yeah, to the. So. <laughs> we got to move those. Yeah, we still have some of those left. Uh, most of the crappy stuff is gone, but there's still some hats left. So uh, check those out. We may be bringing them to the festival. Can you bring a couple of my surfboards just in case <laughs> there's a wave pool out there in the middle of Arizona? I'm also going to need you to pack my suitcase on, <laughs> on Thursday morning. I have some dietary yeah. issues. If you could bring some plant-based food and a blender for me. You'll have an extra outlet, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, it feels like he's not really responding. To I this. don't see him writing anything down. <laughs> he's not writing anything down. He didn't write down a single yeah. goddamn thing. Yeah, I don't know. This is weird. Uh, so um, see us all at the ADC Comedy Festival next week. Um, Thursday, our uh, show is 9 to 10. 9 to 10. 9 to 30, I believe, I believe so, yeah. And a uh, guest to be announced. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whatever comic we see running around Phoenix. Exactly. You know, we will. Uh, they will be our guest. Um, sure. But yeah, if you're in somebody else there on Thursday, if you're in Phoenix or you can come to Phoenix next week, that festival is a blast. It's so much fun. It's all these podcasts. It's all these stand-up comics. Downtown Phoenix is just a muck with uh, podcaster comedians. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. you'll hear me laughing in a corner from something somebody will be telling me. So yes, that's where I'll be at. It, mostly, it'll probably be just stay in this corner. Just stay in this corner. I'll be <laughs> laughing. More of sort of a madness yeah, yeah. indicator. <laughs> uh, but thank you so gu- so much, guys, and, and all the Patreon supporters. Uh, we appreciate it. You know, for $50 a month, you can go to patreon.com slash comedy film nerds, and we will read your Patroni-ness. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. All right, that is our show. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, Bogart. sometimes I like going guestless. It is guestless. We don't mm-hmm. got a third person running their yap. You know, know what I mean? Just ruining everything. Everything. <laughs> just <laughs> never shut up. Well, I thought something else yeah. about the movie. Yeah, look what I'm promoting. <laughs> <laughs> look what I'm promoting. Um, all right, guys. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember... Han shot first. Promote your shit. Put it in a U-Haul. <laughs>